Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, (coughs) I want to begin a new uh, series tonight, I think. Uh, And that's not because we've exhausted the other one. (laughs) We never can. But uh, I want to look at this tonight as we begin teaching on give no place. Give no place. And... uh, Now, when I say this, I'm not referring to you necessarily because you go to my church and I'm your pastor. But most Christians are ignorant of spiritual things. Most believers, by and large, are ignorant of spiritual things. Now, ignorant is not a bad word. It just means to be without understanding. And most believers, most Christians have a lack of understanding where spiritual things are concerned. And for many, the greatest area of ignorance is where their authority is concerned. And where what God has given them is concerned. I uh, came into the office a little later today, and I was uh, uh, just flipped on one of the Christian networks uh, just to see if there was anything worth digesting on there. And... uh, uh, I was watching this, and, and it had a, 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 a program, and this lady was talking about their guest and how her guest had found out that uh, prayers are not always answered, especially in the way that we would like them to be. And, of course, I mean, my mind began to go to a lot of different scriptures. You know, first of all, Jesus said in the book of John, He said, if you ask anything in my name, the Father would do it for you, right? And and, uh, then in 1 John, he said uh, that if we ask anything, 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 according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, that's not what I'm preaching on, but it just rang true because of what the Lord had been showing me. Here's a spiritual person. Here's a believer who's ignorant of spiritual things. Amen. Especially about authority. Now notice here in Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Hallelujah. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, For we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, neither let the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Now Paul's writing to to believers here in the church, and he tells them not to lie to each other. Should you have to tell believers not to lie? Well, I I don't know, but he he did. (laughs) Amen. And notice... He says, don't lie to each other and don't let the sun go down on your anger. 
Be angry, but don't sin. And then he tells us why. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. The Roosh Bible says, stop giving an occasion for acting or an opportunity to the devil. So Paul tells us, number one, that there is a devil. A lot of people act like there's not. Amen. Now don't get devil conscious because we're going to talk about the balances and, and, and the extremes here. All right? But here, here's the point. There's a lot, I, Pastor Michelle was talking to a young lady one time that would tell you she's a Christian. And she was talking about some things that were going on in her life. And Pastor Michelle said, well, that's, that's devilish. That's demonic. And she said, oh, I don't talk about the devil. Well, Paul tells us, number one, notice there is a devil. And he's doing what? Looking for an occasion, looking for an opportunity to act against us. Is that right? Everywhere you look at this, uh, where it says neither give place, most translations say foothold, loophole. All right, some say strategic rallying point. Amen. But here's the point. Whether it's foothold or loophole, the enemy's looking for one of those things and Paul uses two examples here, lying and anger that can open those up. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching on lying and anger. I'm saying, look, the enemy, why is Paul telling Christians don't lie? And telling Christians don't be mad at each other. Because it opens a foothold for the enemy. But now notice something. He said there is a devil and he's looking for an opportunity or a foothold, but then he tells us that we can deny him that access. He says you don't give him place. Is that right? You deny him that access. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, people say things they intend to be funny, but they're not, they're not funny. Number one, they're spiritually ignorant and they're dangerous. Like the one minister came up and, and somebody said, well, how's it going? He said, well, I got the devil on the run. Trouble is, he's chasing me and I'm running. <laughs> well, that's just spiritually ignorant. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So a lot of believers act like there is no devil. You know, I mean, because in America, we got rid of all of them, right? I mean, we got rid of all of them years ago. No, 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 we didn't. They're, 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 they're here, right? And they try to, uh, uh, if we can use this phrase, they, 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 they try to bother people. They try to hurt their lives. They try to destroy them in some fashion. But here's the point. Others go too far the other way. And they see devils everywhere. Devil here, devil there, devil, devil everywhere. Devil behind the bush, devil in the dog, devil in the cabinet, devil in the car. Oh, there's a devil behind you. No, no. Well, that, that, that's extremism as well. Amen. The truth is, <coughs> the devil exists. 
But notice something that's just as true. He can be resisted, and he cannot do just whatever he wants to do in the life of a believer. Amen. Say it out loud. The devil cannot do just whatever he wants in my life. Just can't. Amen. Never, never, be, never be afraid of the devil or what he can do. Now that may seem elementary. But I, I want you to see something. He can be resisted. There's two things he needs in a, in a person's life to be able to have that place. Their help and their ignorance. Yes, if you help him or you're ignorant of him, he's got a place, a foothold. That word in the Greek is the word topos. It's where we get our word topography or for map making. All right, it's a strategic place. And so the enemy needs a person's help to be able to, to uh, uh, have that strategic place in their life. If we can deny him access, it must mean he can't do just whatever he wants. Is that right? Brother Hagin would say this. He said, if the devil can't get you, a believer, into blatant sin, he'll push them into spiritual extremes. Pastor Caldwell called it spiritual effervescence. Push you into spiritual effervescence, spiritual extremes. In other words, things that look spiritual, things that are extreme spiritual, but they have no spiritual significance. Amen. Matter of fact, I was told one time by a preacher, oh, don't talk about the devil at night. Well, why? Well, there's less Christians praying at night and the devil's stronger. Has more power at night. Well, that's spiritual extremism. That makes people afraid. Think about that. Anybody, any believer that would say, oh, don't talk about the devil. I don't talk about him, I talk to him. That, that, that's the key. Amen. <laughs> Do you see this? And so you get all these spiritual extremes. And, and I'm going to try not to get stuck on any of them. I, I won't get through all this tonight, obviously. But uh, I remember one time I had a group, and we were going to West Africa. And we had a, a, a bunch of crusades planned there. And uh, I was going to be a day late because of, of the, the way my flight was arranged. And so I got there the night after the crusade started, and we had a huge crusade in this uh, city in West Africa called Zita. And when I got there, some of the people that were there uh, the night before said, oh, Pastor, it was a great meeting. And I said, praise God. And they said, but there was this lady, and, and she was uh, demon-possessed. And I said, okay. And uh, uh, she came dancing up around the stage and was doing incantations. And I said, well, what would you all do? And they said, oh, we entered into warfare tongues. I said, you did what? We entered into warfare tongues. And they said, that's how you do spiritual warfare. No, it's not. Because right here immediately, the Holy Spirit said, the devil doesn't understand tongues. Yeah. 
right? I mean, think about it. What if somebody comes up to you and just starts chewing you out in Chinese? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, be looking around going, what's the problem? I don't understand, right? Well, we went to the service that night, and sure enough, there she was, and sure enough, she had a demon. And she came dancing up to the stage, just like she did the night before. Doing her incantation. She was going to leave a, a shoe there. They, 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 they told me that was, that was something they did to kind of prove they had the territory or whatever it was. I was standing on the edge of the, watching all these people. And she came dancing up, and, and right over here, I started hearing, and I just looked at that lady, and I said, you stop that in Jesus' name. Go sit down. What'd she do? She picked up her shoe and stopped and went and sat down. I'm not saying that to promote me. Uh, what I'm saying is see that other is spiritual extremism. It looks it looks spiritual, but it's spiritual extremism, and the devil's not afraid of it because it's not the exorcism of authority, or the excuse me, the exercising of authority. Amen. There are churches that have containers in the sanctuary so that when they pray for people, they can throw up demons. There's not one New Testament reference, there's not one biblical reference to a demon ever being thrown up. Not one. Now, I'm preaching, so listen. Are, are you following me? I had a friend of mine who said, well, Philip, if they do throw up a demon, what are they going to do, pinch him? I thought... Now, it's, it's, it's easy to make, to, to make fun, and, I'm, and I mean, it is humorous. But here's the, here's the serious part of it. You got people that are pushing people to these extremes, and they think somebody's uh, delivered if they cough or sneeze or throw up or some other issue. And that person's no freer than they were when they started, if they were ever bound. And the devil delights in that because while you're trying to, while that person's trying to get someone to throw up a demon, he's doing his real work behind the scenes and nobody's messing with him. And while I'm on it, no, a Christian can't have a demon. Y'all don't act like you believe me. Amen. Why? Because your spirit's been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has no access to it. You can be oppressed in your mind or your body, but you cannot be possessed. Cannot be. There's not one New Testament reference. Read your Bible. Don't just read your Bible. There's not one New Testament reference of a believer ever having a demon or of any believer ever casting a demon out of a believer. It's not there. That's spiritual extremism. 
But you got people coming together in rooms and churches and they're taking a, a deliverance list and going down the list. And have you ever been involved in this? And have you ever been involved in that? And have you been involved in this? And have you been involved in that? And, and did your daddy treat you right? And did your mama treat you right? And that's where that demon got a hold of you. And while I'm going through this list, you may yawn or cough or burp or other things. And don't worry about it. That's just the demon leaving you. That sounds far out there, doesn't it? That's spiritual extremism. And the devil delights in that because nobody's really exercising their authority against him. I got a call from a, a man one time. We hadn't been pastoring very long. And uh, it, was, it was early. It was, I mean, like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I answered the phone. And you know how you are when somebody calls and wakes you up at 2 o'clock in the morning. You sound like you got woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And so I, I was kind of groggy, and he said, Pastor? I said, yes. And he said, uh, uh, do you have a moment? <laughs> I'm awake now, yeah. And he said, uh, you know, uh, in the book of Revelation, you know the, the two witnesses. And he said, you know, Moses and Elijah. And I said, well, we don't know who the two witnesses are. The Bible doesn't tell us. It's one of the six unknowns of Revelation. But we don't know. But the point is, okay, if that's what you believe. He goes, well, I, I do believe that. And he said, uh, I'm one of them. I'm Elijah. I thought, dear God, you woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning to tell me this nonsense. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He came to church the next Friday night. And now, this, this guy was not living right. He wasn't born again. And we were talking with him in a room. Pastor Michelle and I were talking to him. Amen. And all of a sudden, man, he started manifesting. Bad. And uh, I was standing there, and I didn't have a chance to even get a lick in because Pastor Michelle stepped up and she said, you shut your mouth, you demon, and come out of him in Jesus' name. I said, what did he do? Boy, he fell against that wall, and the demon came out of him. He was delivered, set free. There was no questions, where have you been? Have you been drinking? Have you been hanging out with bad people? Well, you know he's not been hanging around people that love Jesus. He had a demon. But the point is, people will push people to spiritual extremism, and then they start doing things that are, is not authority, and the devil's getting away scot-free. Am I helping you tonight? And I'm not going to go into all these doing battle in high places. Going to the highest spot in the city. <laughs> Renting planes, going to the top of skyscrapers. Well, what are y'all doing? Battling the heavenly places. Hmm. Well, <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus has already destroyed the authority of the spiritual wickedness in high places. He's already took that base of authority away. Are you following me? He said to us, he said, now I'm going away and you occupy till I return. You do business till I return. How? Through the authority I've given you. Amen. People will say, I've heard people say, well, you know, you know, when you clap, you split the devil's ears. There's not one reference to
to clapping in the entire New Testament. In the entire New Testament. There's only one reference to clapping as it concerns praising and worshiping God in the whole Bible. Just one. Shout unto God, all ye people. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That's the only reference to clapping in the entire Bible that has to do with worshiping God. But people say, when you clap, it splits the ears. Isn't that funny? God didn't know that. And he said in the book of Joshua, it was shouting that split the ears. It says, when the people shouted at Jericho, it split the ears of the people that were in Jericho. And it brought the walls down. Now, I'm saying that because people will do that. Hallelujah. (laughs) Stomping the militant church. We're the militant church. And churches will come together and wear battle fatigues and stomp and yell at the top of their lungs because we're doing battle. We are not the militant church. We're the triumphant church. We're we're not fighting to win. We've already won. We're we're holding the ground that Jesus bought us. Amen. I used to know a minister that would preach on the militant church and wear fatigues when he came to preach at the church. Now, if you believe that, I'm not against you. But, he, but here's the point. You won't find that in the Bible. It's not there. It undermines authority. If you think you're trying to gain something that Jesus already won through mortal combat in the belly of the earth, then you're saying the job didn't get done and I've got to do it. My job is to enforce authority My job is to take my place at the right hand of the Father in the authority that's already been given me and enforce the name of Jesus on the earth, enforce the blood of Jesus on the earth, and make sure that I'm operating in the authority God gave me. (coughs) Can you say amen? Now all those things that I talked about are useless. Useless. Yet they persist in the body of Christ because people think they're spiritual activities. And and it gets the focus off the real problem. Amen. The devil likes two things. He likes for people to say that he's not a problem. And he likes for people to blame him for everything. Amen. Look over here in Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Am I helping you tonight? Everything that you believe, you want it to be balanced. You don't want extremes. It it has to be balanced. Now, I've had people say, well, balance is kind of like vanilla. Right, vanilla's safe. Right? Right? I mean, if if you just want a safe flavor of ice cream, go vanilla. Because you know what you're going to get every time. You should know every time you need a result, you're going to get it because you work it the same way every time. Are you following me? You should know that when you say, in the name of Jesus, this ends, it ends. Because you have been authorized to use that name. 
You have been empowered to use that name. Ephesians 1.3, notice it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Where? In heavenly places. In Christ. Now, in chapter 2, there, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith, with, uh, for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where are you seated? In heavenly places where? In Christ. Where is Christ seated? At the right hand of the Father. So where are you seated? At the right hand of the Father. Right? So I'm not part of a body that's not yet seated in heavenly places. Is that right? Amen. The devil is not intimidated by a lot of practices because it has no power. It's just noise. To act like you don't have an enemy, though, is to be unprepared. To act like you don't have an enemy is to be unprepared. Because listen to me tonight. He's not just going to leave you alone. I'll say it again. He's not just going to leave you alone because you don't talk about him or you don't act like he exists. Amen. The devil destroys people's lives every day that are living for him. And he destroys their life. And they're, they're supposed to be on his side. And he kills them. Destroys their life. He, the devil doesn't just leave anybody alone. If he leaves you alone, he's made to leave you alone. Are you following me? If no evil comes near your home... It wasn't just because you're a believer. It's because you stood on the front door, front step of your door and said, no evil will come near this house in the name of Jesus. Right? Because somebody took their position of authority. Every day when you get up, you don't see yourself going into your prayer place and sitting just here on the earth, praying from the earth, trying to get an answer out of heaven. The Bible says you're to see yourself seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And at that seat of authority, you are making changes in the earth realm because you're praying from that place of authority. I'm not trying to get the authority down from heaven. I'm seated in heaven in Christ, in heavenly places. And when I pray, I'm praying from that position and things change on the earth because my prayers are being uttered from the right hand of authority in heaven. Amen. Oh, glory. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. Hallelujah. 
one person came in a line. Jerry Savelle was praying, and he came up, and, and uh, uh, Jerry said, what can I pray for you about? And he said, I want you to pray that the devil will never bother me again. And Jerry said, okay. And he laid hands on him and said, Lord, I ask you to take this man home to heaven tonight. <laughs> and the man said, oh, no, get your hand on. What? Are you, what? No. And he said, well, you asked me to pray that the devil would never bother you again. The only place you're never going to be bothered by him again is in heaven. Right? I mean, you do know he's not going. Now, now again, that's, that's not to make you devil conscious. That's to say the Bible tells us, remember Paul said, don't give him any place. That means he'll take the place I give him. Amen. I mean, he exists, but we're not afraid of him. We're not worried about him. We're not concerned. Why? Because we have authority over him. And, and I'll show you this from the word uh, before we're done tonight. But when you begin to take your authority, notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, he's talking about forgiving, and I don't have time to, to teach on that. But he says, to forgive, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant, there's that word, of his devices. Now that word device means this is so important. It means purpose, thoughts, or disposition. You should not be ignorant of the devil's purpose. What his purpose is in the earth. Now, now notice, not the purpose God created him for, the purpose he came up with himself. God's purpose for the devil, who was originally Lucifer, was to be the anointed cherub that covered. Uh, people say he was the worship leader in heaven. I don't doubt it. The Bible doesn't implicitly say that, but I, I don't doubt it. That, but his purpose originally was to bring glory to God. When, when he sinned by looking at his status and looking at his beauty, right? And when he looked at his beauty, remember we talked about the offerings of God? When he looked at his beauty and his workmanship and his intellect, instead of giving God the praise and the glory for what God had done, he took the glory unto himself. And the Bible says when he did that, iniquity was found in him. Amen. Amen. And, and that's when he became the devil. That's when he became the adversary. Amen. So his purpose originally was to bring glory to God. But when he sinned and he fell and everything about him changed, because that's what sin does, sin puts you at odds with God. Right? And when he sinned and he began to be at odds with God, he had to have another purpose. And that's when his purpose became to try to destroy the work of God in the earth. So Paul says, don't be ignorant of his devices, of his purpose, of his thoughts. Let, let me just help you with how the devil thinks about you. He hates you. Amen. He despises you. Yes, the devil has no love for anybody. He is a loveless, heartless, compassionless, kindless, kindness. He, none of those kindless uh, being. He has none of that. None. You're never going to catch the devil in a good mood. He's a liar. Now, now I know we, we hear things like that and we think, 
Well, yeah, pastor, but no, think about it. That's your adversary. That's how he thinks. That's how he operates. That's his mindset. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like any of you. And I will do anything I can to make sure that you don't succeed. That's his mindset. That's his, that's his heart set. So just realize that. My son used to wrestle, high school wrestling team. And, uh, and the, thing, the thing is, is uh, they had uh, in DeSoto one of the, it was interesting, I probably should share this with you, it was interesting, because this young man was uh, a state champion. Uh, Neil Ersman was his name. And the other day, I'm at Walmart in Maumel. Walmart in Maumel, of all places. And Pastor Michelle's reading me an email <coughs> that a lady had sent in the ministry, and I said, like I do everywhere out loud, you know, well, praise God, glory to God, that's, that's good. And I saw this gentleman in front of us looking, looking at us, and, and uh, he, uh, of course, you couldn't tell he was smiling a lot. We could see his eyes were smiling. He had on face covering. But he said, uh, are y'all believers? And I said, yes, sir, we are. We're believers. I said, matter of fact, we're pastors. Oh, where do you pastor? So I told him, and, and uh, then I told him we had a church in, in Kansas. He said, how long do y'all live around Kansas City? I said, 26 years. He said, well, you probably know me. And I said, uh, okay. And he said, yeah, I'm uh, Neil Ersman. And, and, well, he was Neil Ersman Jr.'s dad. I bought my very first car in Kansas City from Neil Ersman. And here I come and I meet him in Maumel, Arkansas. Amen. Isn't that something? Well, that's, that has nothing to do with authority. But, but the point is, when somebody got on the mat with his son, Neil Ersman, they knew his status. And right? And they knew this isn't going to be easy. Hallelujah. Because that's my opponent. Just understand that every day that we exist, the enemy's looking for a loophole, the enemy's looking for a foothold. That's how he thinks. Don't ever think he takes a day off because he doesn't. He doesn't take a day off. He doesn't take a week off. He, there's no hour that he's not scheming, plotting, planning something to try to cause a problem in a believer's life. And he'll work for years to try to make it happen. He'll put a thought in a person's mind for years over and over and over and over again until finally it works. And that's why Scripture says we are not ignorant of how he works. Well, what does he do? It, well, he's the devil. Uh, Diabolo, all right? The, the Spanish came very close to that, Diablo. And dia, all right, balo. It means that over and over again, it carries a repetitive, a repetitive connotation that the enemy takes something and it's like throwing a ball against the wall. He does it over and over and over again until he dia and then balo, he penetrates and he gets that thought in a person's mind. And Paul said, you're not ignorant of that. That's how he operates. When a thought comes that's not your thought and it's not God's thought, you better get rid of it. Because it's the enemy's thought. Amen. Don't, don't play with those thoughts. Well, people would be better off without you. Don't play with that. I said, don't play with that. Here's one you don't want to play with either. Boy, it'd just be easier to go to heaven, wouldn't it? Don't start thinking that way. Amen. 
I've known good people that died young and went to heaven because they started thinking about it all the time. Well, would the devil want somebody to die and go to heaven? He don't care where you go when you die. All he cares is you're out of the way. Because you're a threat to him here. You're not a threat to him in heaven, and you're not a threat to him in hell. You're a threat to him here. His mode of operation is in the earth. The devil is just as time-bound as you are. He's just as earth-bound as you are. He has no access to heaven. Scripture says him and his angels have been cast down. They were cast down to the four corners of the earth. They have no access to heaven. The adversary has no access to heaven. There's no courtroom in heaven. There's no, there's no judge and jury in heaven. God's not hearing arguments from the devil in heaven. Oh, Pastor, I read a book. That's the problem. You read a book. You didn't read the book. The, devil, the devil's not presenting his case to God in heaven. The Bible says that heaven was cleansed with the blood of Jesus when Jesus died and that the heavenly utensils of worship were cleansed from all unrighteousness and iniquity and sin by the blood of Jesus. Now, if it's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you're going to tell me the devil has a right to go in there? No, he doesn't. His, his mode of operation, his, his, his operative place is in the earth. And that's where you're a problem to him. Amen. Yeah, but you know the devil, the devil's a flood. No, the Bible says he comes in like a flood. Not a flood, comes in like a flood. Comes in quick, comes in fast. That's how he operates. Am I helping you tonight? It also means, this word device means intellect. Don't sell the devil short. I've heard people say, well, the devil's just an idiot. Oh, 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 be careful. He likes that. He likes people to think that about him. I mean, granted, you'd probably think somebody's a noodle short of a lasagna that did what he did. <laughs> Denied God, right? That, that, that's not smart in that sense. But he has a tremendous satanic cunning. Folks, I've said this to you before. He stole the world from two people that were in the presence of God. We believe daily. They were perfect. Well, why? We don't know how long he worked on it. What I'm trying to say again: this isn't fear. This isn't. This isn't looking for a devil behind the bush. But it's saying, be aware that you have a cunningly. A cunning enemy that has great satanic wisdom. Especially where human beings are concerned. Because he's watched us for millennia. He knows what works. You know the Bible says there's only three basic fleshly things that cause people to fall. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Those three. And the, and the, and the enemy constantly works to expose those. 
And that's why the Bible says things like that you are to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, that you're to present your body a living sacrifice every day to God, that you're, that, that you're not to die to the flesh. And when I say this, understand what I mean. We don't die to the flesh every day. Our flesh died when we were born again. Our job is to keep it under. Paul said, I keep my body under and I bring it into subjection. Now why? Because that's the avenue the enemy's going to operate through. And see, you understand why I taught what I taught earlier? So you have people over here in spiritual extremes, and they're yelling and, and screaming and stomping and, and warfare tongues and puking up demons, and their flesh is out of control, and the devil's running away with them. When you see somebody that knows how to exercise their authority, their flesh is in control. You'll see somebody that lives holy. You'll see somebody that lives right. You'll see somebody that lives above sin because they know their authority. Amen? Amen? <clears throat> so we know how the devil thinks. We know his disposition. Why is this important? If I know how he thinks, I can know his intent. Look at John 10 and verse 10. Now this is a familiar passage of scripture, but please don't lose sight of this. Now, I'm going to go on record as saying this. I hate the devil. I hate the devil. It's okay to say you hate him. I hate him. Why? Because I've watched him destroy people's lives. He tried to destroy my life. Amen. And when somebody tries to destroy your life, they're not your friend. Amen. He'll have people kill themselves, kill other people. He'll wreck marriages, destroy families. He doesn't care. He'll kill children. He'll kill men, women, old men, old women, black men, black women, white women, white men. Doesn't matter. He don't care. He's an equal opportunity murderer. Now, I'm saying that's his intent. He can't do that to me. Can't do that to you. Because we got his number. John 10, 10. What's it say? It says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, that's his purpose all day, every day. Steal, kill, and destroy. Right? So, don't take that lightly. I don't want any of those to happen to me or you. So, the devil every day is looking to steal from somebody to kill something in their life, to destroy something in their life. Amen. All day, every day. Notice John 8. Go to John 8 and 44. (coughs) I'm helping you. And, And that's why it's such a travesty when people start putting God over in the stealing, killing, and destroying category. Because they're buddying him up with the devil. And God doesn't steal, kill, or destroy. John 8, 44. Notice what Jesus said. He was talking to those Jews. And he told them, you are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you'll do. Is that what he said? He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he speaks a lie, he speaks it of his own. He is a liar and the father of it. So notice these two things. It says there's no, one translation says there's not one ounce of truth in him. So notice something. Murderer and a liar. Now here's something. Would you fail to take somebody serious that you knew was a murderer and a liar? And even more important, would you trust somebody that you knew was a murderer and a liar and a liar? No? That's the correct answer. No. So we see his intent, steal, kill, and destroy, and we see his disposition. Lie and murder. Look at 1 Peter 5 8. 1 Peter 5 8. I'm moving quickly. <laughs> I got five minutes. <laughs> what is that among so many? First Peter 5, 8. Notice what it says. Take it easy. Kick back. Hey, man, the devil's not a problem. Oh, no, no, it's not. That's not what it says, is it? Be sober. The word is sober-minded. The word means to be rational, to not be drunk. Be sober, be vigilant. The word is on your guard. Why? Because your adversary, and he points him out, the devil. What's he do? As a roaring lion, roameth about, seeking whom he may devour. Is that what it said? That the word adversary... The word adversary, it's so important because it's, 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 a, it's a compound word in the Greek. It comes from two words, and the word adversary simply means against. But we're told that in the older classical Greek, it was used to denote the mental condition of a man or a woman that was on the edge of insanity. The devil is cray-cray, y'all. He's crazy. You all understand what I mean. He's a nut. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's crazy. Now, now why, is, why is he crazy? Because he's full of himself. Everything is all about him. You know, when you get somebody that is just so involved and self-involved with themselves... And it's just all about them. They don't think anybody else matters. And they don't think anybody else has anything going on. It's all about them. Well, notice, the second part of the word is taken from a Greek word that is the root word meaning righteousness. So when we put these together, we see that the devil's one who is adamantly opposed to righteousness. He hates righteousness. He hates you because you're the righteousness of God. What he attacks in your life the most is your sense of right standing. Hallelujah. He's not just passively opposed. He's adamantly opposed. And notice, he's actively pursuing righteous people. He hates them. That's why the devil, in one way or another, tries to devour people with either present temptations or past memories, past failures. 
what happened or what used to be or a failure that I made. His ultimate goal is that we would eventually be left with no confidence in three areas, before God, before the devil, and before man. Righteousness is your confidence before God. Righteousness is your confidence before the devil. When you found out that you were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you became a threat to the devil. Because if I'm in right standing with the devil, I tell him what to do. <coughs> Amen. Now, look at 1 Peter, uh, right there, you're in chapter 5, verse 9. Because I, I don't want to leave you just hanging there, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist? Oh, glory to God. I can resist him. Right? I can resist him. No, no matter what he's trying to do, and no matter what he wants to try to do, and notice what it says. It says you resist him how? Steadfast. So that means every day you get up and you meet force with force and you resist him every day. And you give him no place. Look at James 4, 7. James 4, 7. <coughs> I'm not going to get to all my scriptures. I'm going to quit trying. But James 4, 7. Notice what it says. You remember that uh, James said, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Oh, so it didn't say resist the devil, and he'll turn into a 20-foot-tall, fire-breathing monster? It didn't say that? Oh, no, it said resist him, and he'll flee. A lot of the images... Now, maybe even you and I, but that people in general have of the devil, they got from Hollywood. And the devil helped them write those scripts. Because, you know, in, in the movie, the demon's always big and threatening. And, hmm. When Jesus... Ever how many demons you believe were cast out of the man that said, that the demon said, our name is Legion? And people say, well, there was 2,000 because of a Roman legion. Well, I don't know that. The Bible doesn't say it. But what I know is there were several there. And Jesus was commanding them to go. And ever how many there were, hundreds or thousands or how many, Jesus was just one man. Why didn't they just raise up in all of their terror and all of their frighteningness? Why didn't they do that? Because the one with authority told them to leave. And they asked, please don't send us out of the country. Let us go to the pigs. What they, they ask? They ask? And they went into that herd of pigs and you know what they did? They committed suicide. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a, bad, that's a very little humor, very little. Right? But notice that. Brother Hagen, and I've heard him teach on it a number of years. And, you know, he operated in the office of the prophet and, and one of the, 
the, the gifts of the Spirit that you function in in that office is the discerning of spirits, seeing in the spirit realm. And he said over and over and over and over again that he might see into the spirit realm a demon would have somebody bound. And he would say over and over again, it looked like a little monkey, little monkey-like creature. Not exactly a monkey, but like a little monkey, about that size. And he said over and over again, he said, I would tell him, now you got to loose him, you got to let him go. And that little, that little demon would say, well, I don't want to, but I know I have to if you tell me to. And he said on several occasions, he'd command them to leave, and they'd lay in the floor and whimper. Intent of the enemy does not mean that demons have the power to do what they would like to do. Whatever they were before, they're not that now. Well, they were mighty beings. They were mighty before God. They're not now. We're the ones that are mighty before God. Do you realize... Lord, help me. What time is it? Okay, let me hurry. Do you realize that whenever any being loses its standing in the presence of God, everything they were begins to weaken? That's why the devil can't make you do anything. He's got to get your cooperation. Because I'm the one that has the authority on the earth. There's a, a minister one time that was having trouble in his church and guest ministers would come and, and they would preach and it was just like there was this force holding back the word. And he said, one day I was praying about it and I was laying on the altar. And he said, I looked up in the rafters and he said, I saw just like a, a, a baboon looking creature up there. And he said, I looked up there and I said, hey, fella, you, you got to come down out of there. And he said, I told him, in the name of Jesus, you come down. And he said, that demon spirit dropped out of the rafters and landed on, on the pulpit. And he said, I stood up and looked at him and said, now get down here. Get down here. You got to go. And he said, he kind of just ducked his head and started shuffling down the aisle. And he said, he looked back two or three times like he was pleadingly asking me not to tell him to go. I said, no, you got to go. Not only out the door and out of the church, you got to leave the grounds. And he said, I, ran, I, I walked him out the door, down the steps, and he ran across the street, ran down the block, ran into a bar. Next night, that bar burned down. But the freedom that came into that church, the preaching was able, but here's what I want you to see. How hard was that? Hey, fella, you got to come down out of there. Was there a fight? Was there a sweat match? Praying in tongues for two and a half hours. Binding and loosing. Nope. You go. One last scripture. James 2 and 19. So when you resist the devil, what's he do? You know what that word means? It means seek safety by flight or to escape safely out of danger. So from those verses, from that word, who's the one that's really in trouble? The devil. Who's the one that's really afraid? The devil. James is talking to people that <coughs> are spiritually prideful. And he says, you believe there's one God, you do well. The devils believe and tremble. 
That word tremble means to be struck with extreme fear, to shudder, or to be horrified. So the devils just think about God and they shudder. Remember Lion King? Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. Right? If you got kids, you remember it. Say it again, say it again. Mufasa. The demons just think about God and they shudder. It causes feelings of horror to come over them. So here's the thing. So who's in charge? Who's in charge? Who has the authority to give no place to the devil? We do. No place. Jesus said, and we'll teach on that this in the coming up weeks. Jesus said in the book of John 14, he said, I have many things to say to you, but I can't say them now. He said, because the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me. One translation says he has no power over me at all. Is that possible? Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? Amen. (coughs) Don't let the enemy pull you over into extremism. I told somebody one time, I said, you don't cooperate with, and I'm saying this for someone, don't ever cooperate with fear. I mean, I don't care what it is. If, if you walk in your living room and it's dark and fear comes on you, don't start searching for the light. Don't cooperate with it. Don't give place to it. I'm not saying you shouldn't turn the light on eventually. Don't do it afraid. Why? Because you gave in to that spirit of fear. Well, is it that important? It's just that important. I've watched people lose their lives because they gave in to a spirit of fear. You can't do it. And that's the number one trick of the enemy. Is to weasel in there and try to get a thought in your mind. Amen. Say this out loud. Say in the name of Jesus. I give no place to the devil. To any evil spirit. I have been authorized by Jesus. And given due authority. Over all the power of the enemy. I will not cooperate. I give you no place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.